Welcome to One Thought at a Time with Ian Travers, where we get curious about what makes us tick. We're here today with a woman who has overcome what many of us dare not even think about. Welcome, Laura Castilla. Hi, Ian. Thank you very much for having me and for your kind words. Well, it's uh, we've had a few conversations virtually, and obviously we, w- we were chatting before today. So let's just ease ourselves into it and just tell everyone how you spend your time. What do you do now? Well, uh, as I say, that stated before, I like to joke. I say I'm spending my time uh, playing with my cat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, I'm, I'm trying to do my best to help other people going through difficult times. Uh, including my family, everyone has difficult times, and I've turned that into a small business. Still in in, in its infancy, but yeah. And tell us, tell us the name of the, of the business, Laura. My uh, business is called How to Cope. That uk with the number two instead of the word two. Okay. It was taken. <laughs> so. How did you get there? What were the key moments that led up to you doing what you what you do now? Well, my health issues and my life journey um, helped me uh, get an insight into the darkness of uh, living with a disability and having health issues um, and some social aspects um, that come with, with that load. Um, I've encountered so many people who told me, oh, you should do more, you should write a book, you should uh, help people, you're so fascinating, you, you inspire people. I didn't think so, but since so many people uh, told me that, I said if I can help at least one person, then uh, I will. I would have a happy life uh, because so many people helped me. It would be my way of giving back. And working um, in schools and various institutions, uh, I was disappointed by the system that is overwhelmed. People are overwhelmed and there are many many gaps in understanding and and in the service provided to people with disabilities and without because don't necessarily need to have a disability to to go through a difficult time so i said i can actually do something especially nowadays with all the media internet and uh, all the devices we have at hand so i have started that hopefully um I will be able to help other people as I want to. Also, doing charitable work. It's quite difficult when you're, you're working for an institution because they're very fixed on asking for, for a fee. And families who struggle with, with difficulties often don't have the money. They have the will, but they're, they're depleted. Mm. So. so so take me back. What, what are the key moments um, that brought you go back as far as you you feel you need to that kind of tells the story to how you you got to where you are now well uh, my story it's complicated you could say it started from when i was um, born as i was raised by my grandparents Uh, everyone played a role in what was due to come Uh, my parents left dreaming of america having the chasing the good old-fashioned american dream um and then I have been diagnosed at 14 with an with um, optic nerve um, glioma, a tumor. They attempted to, to extract it. Unfortunately, they just managed to make it angrier. It seems that the tumor was as feisty as I am. And it came back with a vengeance. And also they severed my, my uh, optic nerve. I lost uh, 70% of my vision. 
and uh, got a little bit of a new look. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, since then, obviously, I've been through numerous surgeries, um, got grim pro- pro- prospects from doctors um, in you will be dead by 21 if we don't take out your half of your brain and uh, your both of your eyes which was like what's the point of living (laughs) yeah i mean Um, that's that just as we go past that so i I have to ask um at 14 years old to receive that kind of news tell me tell us a bit about the the impact on that what what i can't imagine but what what type of thing goes through your mind it's quite uh strange because i've always been a little bit of an oddball a tomboy my grandmother had a headache <laughs> raising me because i oh i would always climbing trees and i remember her telling me oh my god i can't dress me put a dress on you you're you're purple it's like we're beating you day and night <laughs> but um it's i during my childhood like as i said everything we were very poor so everything i i went through parents being away and being very poor um all the challenges their health issues because they were old just build a certain kind of resilience in me and and i i as a coping mechanism i've developed a stubbornness on in focusing on the positive or aspect of anything and um that became extremely useful combined with my stubbornness natural stubbornness as a bull like my grandma would say so uh, it just became very useful i remember when i came back with the diagnosis i entered the um, kitchen and both my grandparents were waiting their their souls were like this (laughs) and um i i was all smiles and and very happy I told him uh, I have a brain tumor and I will need to have a surgery, a brain surgery. They're like, oh my God, you just come into the kitchen like you just won the lottery. Why? How do, do you even understand what that is? They said, yeah, that's because that's why I'm, why I'm happy. I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. For me, going through something that I was already fascinated by was a bliss. Because I I uh, got aphasia, I got certain symptoms, and knowing what it means and getting to f- through all those um, feeling, all those things myself, was absolutely fascinating. And I, I took notes of everything that I was going through. I even have them nowadays, uh, and I, I at that time I was still hoping I would get to keep my vision i knew that is a slim chance but hope is kind of a team with me so um i would still i i was still um, everything i was doing through school was towards get applying to medical school so even then when i was in hospital i had all my books and everything preparing for for exams uh, chemistry and physics which i took going from the eighth grade to the ninth uh, going through high school just to get into a um, science-oriented classroom in high school. So yeah, it's um, <laughs> quite strange. Uh, I didn't uh, receive it uh, badly, so to speak. <laughs> well, and I would imagine that was that was potentially quite difficult for people around you to process if they were seeing that you 
maybe you were behaving in a way that they weren't expecting you to. Yes, definitely. Um, I, well, I started to see the darkness of, of um, social, so, societal interactions. Uh, even then, people started to treat me like I would uh, have a cognitive disability as well, just because they couldn't cope with the idea that somebody who receives and understands what the diagnostic means has that kind of a, an approach. I was very optimistic and even when they shaved my head, I was like, oh, this is nice. This, was be, this will be easy to wash. And it was, honestly. Three times uh, uh, I've been shaved and it was a blessing for me. Other women were crying. I was like, actually, I'm thinking of investing in wigs and just, you know, <laughs> five minutes to wash and dry. It's, but going back to that, it's um, people can't, cope with that especially when you're a kid they prefer to they prefer to think that you're not all there instead of understanding that for them their struggle it's uh, they don't have the depth of understanding of where you're coming from it's easier to blame others as a general rule mm. i still do it sometimes just <laughs> so. just just going back to that to that time again as well so you you obviously had something leading up to the diagnosis. You re you receive the diagnosis, and you um, you you become fascinated and interested in it. Do you think any part of that was was a coping mechanism at the time? You know, was there was there a reaction that you were that you were you were wrestling with, or, or were you just generally this is this is interesting? I wouldn't say I always accepted it, which was very strange even for me. And years later, I tried to understand why that was my response. As I said, my childhood played an important role. The fact that my parents left to America and left me with my grandparents, I've always felt um, I have no control. I, I I had the best childhood ever. My grandpa, my grandmother, was a saint. And God rest her soul, she was the best mother anyone could have. And uh, my grandfather, God rest his soul, also tried his best. <laughs> Whatever sliver of patience he has left, he used it with me. Uh, but everything just played its role in, in me developing what I needed uh, later. Even faith. My grandparents weren't great believers. We were all born Christian. But we weren't just visiting the church um, every Sunday or things like that. You know, when people are gathering to, to for Christmas or Easter. But my grandfather was a Darwinist and my grandmother was way too tired to think about religion. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I always felt, in a way, a connection. And this might come uh, as an oddity to certain people with, with higher power. I was talking with, uh, we had a picture of Jesus um, and that I was talking every time I was upset. And I was talking with him like it would be my, my imaginary friend or my, my brother or something like that. And somehow, I don't know, acceptance developed. Like life is a gift and I am choosing. Happiness is a choice. I've realized that since early age. No, I want to be happy. I'm stubborn and life won't kick me. I will kick it. 
as I said, stubbornness, it's, it's a great thing. And um, it's, I, I just chose to be happy. My aunt kept on laughing. She said, oh my God, you could drown in, in, in um, <clears throat> let's just say garbage. You'd still be, at least I can see the sky. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so let's wind the clock forward then. So let, let's, let's, you know, let's move away from, from the diagnosis and, and that time. Bring, bring us a little bit closer. What, what happened next? Well, uh, surgeries, I, I had, unfortunately, um, I've been bed bound for of almost a year, uh, the end of which I fell into a coma. Um, I can't remember uh, about four months of my life. Um, I've had multiple brain surgeries. Uh, the last one uh, implied putting some shunts because I entered the coma due to hydrocephalia and you know the, the uh, cerebral brain fluid was compressing on, on everything what's there. And even though I have a big pumpkin, it has its limitations. So, um, and even after, let's just say going back to my first surgery, I've realized the limitation of modern medicine and I've tried to combine holistic medicine with, with conventional medicine. And I've never discarded either. Even nowadays, I'm, I'm combining them. That seemed to work for me, especially since I'm still alive. I would say, yeah, it definitely works for me. I um, With every surgery and uh, radiotherapy and everything I've been through, it seems that the the tumor developed more and more and it became a, a brain cancer a stage two it's still good there are four stages so i'm still good <laughs> and uh, it's let's just say it's it's slowly there it's it's um at times it gives me um, uh, a literal headache but we've we've reached uh, i would like to say um, uh, a treaty if okay. i'm alive it's a life so seems it's a smart uh, you, you have an arrangement yes i like to say well it's good it's smart <laughs> we we managed to negotiate <laughs> so um have there been some darker times on the on the journey definitely i've um i've been bullied uh in high school um even though i, I was very excited uh, i i still had bandages when i went to exam from the eighth to ninth nobody believed in me and everyone accepted me to take my exam uh, out of pity, except one teacher, my math teacher. So it's no wonder that I love math. <laughs> he gave me uh, one of my exams the first day back after my surgery. Um, and he was coming, he came after I gave the test with the grade, he put it on the table and he said, you can do more. He was the only one who believed in my potential and that was all I needed just a little bit of encouragement he because I was fighting but obviously I was on shaky grounds and that was all I needed some of my colleagues were supportive so I had uh, colleagues who, who were trying their best to, to be there they were kids so they were trying their best others uh, were very judgmental um, trying to bully me to uh, I was never one to um, run from a fight 
even though I have the strength of a newborn chipmunk, like my husband <laughs> likes to say. Um, and uh, high school, going through high school, I passed my exam successfully. And in high school, let's just say um, teenagers experience their their um, full the fullness of, of um, human behavior and experience. Combined with with um, changes in hormones and everything, at times it, it's a nightmare. So uh, I've had uh, other girls um, putting their boyfriends um, to to threaten me that they will kick me. Girls are trying to get into fights with me. Um, they even launch rumors, uh, bad rumors, uh, rumors about my my uh, let's just say integrity. Um, I needed to change four high schools in three years. People can be so unkind, can't they? Well, yes, they can, but also they, they, I, I have faith in humanity and no matter how unkind some people um, are, because I like to say that they're not malicious. They have their own trauma. They test their own, they try to, to put their foot in the ground in high school it's a jungle <laughs> let's be honest so they were just trying to to survive just like i i was and um in the end um i would thank them today because they helped me raise my walls and my defenses and when i encountered adults with similar behaviors i was prepared right so thank you all the bullies <laughs> Well, um, there's a lot we could learn from that. Yeah, but it is, especially that brought me to, to uh, depression and suicidal tendencies, piled with my health, constant headache. Um, I, I was on morphine and plenty of my colleagues didn't understand why I'm missing school. So uh, certain uh, confrontations came from that. I was always studying at home. So teachers knew what I know and I'm, I'm, I'm there but and why I'm not there but colleagues didn't understand and many of times I was on morphine just to cope with my pain and I was walking <laughs> like this going to the toilet but they didn't know that they didn't see that and that made me throw me on a very dark path of, of um our humanity and I, uh, I had a few attempts of taking my life, life just to re relieve my grandmother who was suffering a lot due to me. I was a burden. I was a vegetable at some point. Uh, and what what age were you were you then? When was this when was this going on? My teenage years, I would say before eighteen years old, um, between sixteen and eighteen. Um, so. And what was your? It's it's a what most of us and I said it in the opening you know would we, we, it's very difficult to even get our minds around being in a position like that you know with within your own mind how how did you get through that hope hmm. um it's that never died i even when i was in that darkness and um i remember very well that i felt like in a an unending pit of darkness where you're trying to climb but you keep on falling back and you just can't get out I wanted to but I couldn't but it, there was a shimmer of hope that maybe there is something 
better for me. And um, yeah, it also always gets me emotional because it's, it's so deep. But yeah, I guess my connection with that divine I've mentioned before was there with me. Um, one of the stories I have and, you know, skeptics will be skeptics. Uh, for me, it was a message from the universe. I was on a ledge. I literally took the decision to jump and I was in the capital city. Uh you rarely see in the capital city a white dove. I mean, they're everywhere pigeons, but a white dove, you don't see in capital city. <laughs> and the white dove just landed on my feet. And by the way, it, it was, you know, the, the ones with red eyes are quite creepy. This one didn't have red eyes. Uh, it was, uh, for me, it was a sign and I started crying and I, got back from so you, from the you that was a point where you were yeah something in me awakened i i didn't feel alone it was the universe is it's responding all my prayers and all my efforts to get out from that darkness i just need to to bear a little more a little longer and that proved to be to be uh, true um was that I, a t was that a turning point do you think Yes, I think it, it was because um, it, I didn't jump. I don't know if I would have uh, been successful. It wasn't quite a high jump. <laughs> but uh, I was determined, uh, especially since, since my grandmother um, couldn't cope anymore with, with the demands of my, my health issues. Um, so it, uh, it was quite grim at uh, that point. It's interesting, you you know, you even at that moment, you thinking and noticing the the color of the eyes on the pigeon. Yeah, especially with my eyesight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. And at that point, were your um, were your parents still in in America at at this point? Yes, they uh, they still are there. Uh, we're trying to to rekindle the relationship, but uh, obviously because they didn't raise me, I haven't been raised by them. Uh, it takes a lot of adjusting, of learning how to to behave with each other. Um, uh, in all fairness, they inspired me a lot. They, I don't think they're even aware of that. But um, the courage of my father, who left after the communism, um, communist regime fell in in our country, he left with one hundred dollars in his pocket, knowing just a couple of words in English. But he had a dream. And years later, he didn't become Warren Buffett. He's not super, he's not rich. Uh, he has a modest life. Uh, uh, he, he has health issues. Uh, I've asked him, what do you think about the route, uh, route you've taken? And he answered, I would do it, or, or do it again just the same. Maybe just wishing to, to uh, have a more um, uh, better life. <laughs> not just go to america and um it's just that i realize how important it is to, to follow your dream because no matter what if you die trying chasing your dream you'll die happy the the happiness in it in the journey not the destination and um yeah it's wow what a story so far <laughs> i mean it's uh I mean, you've already said it, I think, here as well. But I mean, how would you say this, those experiences 
to this point had had influenced your life for the better? Everything. I think everyone placed uh, um, an important role, like a puzzle. My grandmother, uh, my ma- father's mother, was the giver. She gave everything she had for for the ones she she loved. Everything. Um, sacrificing herself, her own well-being. My grandfather taught me, I remember falling off the bike and all the friends were like, oh my God, he's so mean. He said, get up, go back on the bike. And my my knees were bleeding. He said, come on, pedal, continue pedal. Getting home, I had no crust on my knees. He was super smart because my, I have no scars now. Uh, I healed very fast and also he that was the lesson that taught me when you fall try to get up always try to even if you crawl try to get up Um, it was one of the most uh, valuable lessons childhood lessons Um, my mother's mother my other uh, influence was a very strong independent woman who came from uh, poverty like my other grandmother as well and she built a, a business that is still feeding the family and the generation to come so she was that strong iron lady so to speak mm-hmm. um my father was the dreamer is the dreamer and he told me the value of a dream um so um my mother as well her kindness and the cost of being too kind with people. She, she told me the value of that. My aunt, who raised me together with my grandparents, taught me the power of sacrifice and, and um, what it means. She part raised me, part have, has been my sister. So yeah, everyone I've encountered in my life, even the people who, who donated for, for me to, to go to treatments and stuff like that. My husband, who, I've met when he was just a kid himself, um, taught me what types of integrity a humanity can have, a human being, and uh, ethical value and the power of, of perseverance. How does this all play out now with, with, your, with your current role, what you do now in helping other people? Uh, how do you draw upon all of this rich and emotional story um, when you're working with your clients? The motto of my business is where there is a will, there will be a way. And happiness is a choice. You choose how you view your life. It's about uh, mindset. It's about perspective. And you are in control of that. No matter what happens, because life, it's, it's like an ocean. Just learn to surf pedal just fight for what you believe in for your dream you have one life and you deserve it you deserve to live it to be happy no matter what other people say Uh, that's why i believe in second chances third chances we learn by failure and um, failure is not something to be ashamed of just learn from it and like i said don't don't stay down just crawl, get up, dust yourself and fight fight for, for your happiness. And that applies to either 
organization leaders who who get swamped by their work and and uh, they get imposter syndrome and and uh, stress and insomnia or people with disability who who uh, are trying to find their way or people who just need training they're they're saying I'm, I'm I don't know how to react how how do I respond to that there's no shame in asking in not knowing and being ignorant out of lack of information it's sad when i encounter people that are ignorant by choice the concept of you know that happiness is a choice which which uh, which i do subscribe to um there there will be those who say oh that's just that's just blind optimism or that's 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 not real um how do you react to people who who would even suggest that it's it's you're you're making light of things about just saying happiness is a choice that is their choice i respect their view i have i'm i'm not trying to convince anyone of anything uh, because it's a process to, in order to get there nobody has my past my experience in a way you could say i i clung on onto this view because it was all uh, survival instinct it was my only choice and it's way harder it takes a lot more courage to to uh, to jump over a ledge than to actually um, live because that is ingrained in us we are built to fight for survival so in in a sense i found something that worked for me that might not apply to to other people and uh, i'm not trying to convince people but everyone wants to be happy so find in yourself whatever brings you happiness. Yeah. For me, is this uh, uh, pink cloud. <laughs> For other people, I don't know. It's uh, it's other things. So uh, it it's not something that applies to everyone. I'm not trying to convince uh, anyone. If somebody tells me, "Oh, you're dreaming, uh, lady," I'm saying, "Okay, I can respect that. That is your view." And like I li- I would want my my view to be respected i respect others view i'm not trying to convert anyone to anything yeah it's 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 quite a story laura and you know it's i think to hear um hear from you saying it's a choice um yeah i think it's it's worth listening to yeah thank you very much it's your choice to believe that (laughs) (laughs) so i'm curious um what if you hadn't received that diagnosis what do you think you'd be doing in all fairness i think my life wouldn't be as happy as it is now i i it it, my my cancer was my best friend has become my best friend like um divine guide through life um it it gave me courage to to follow my heart to follow my dream it showed me how short life is and how not to to get angry on small things because minutes just fly by and the next day you you might not get be able to get out of bed um so i think i would have a much sadder life and closed with my uh, very close horizon and i would have been much arrogant much more uh, way more arrogant because i was a a very arrogant little uh, kid (laughs) well well i i must admit i i never i never thought that i would i would have a conversation along the lines as you've described that um you feel that you have had a 
better life as a result so far of the diagnosis. I mean, that's, that's, that's insightful. That gave me the courage to live and living with the ticking bomb. It's, it's actually um, a blessing in a way. You're unburdened of the, at least I am, of, of, uh, far, of the far future. Because my plans have been, uh, well, <laughs> destroyed so many times that I've learned just to uh, dream, mm -hmm. but not plan too much. Just go with the flow and let it just follow the path that is uh, laid in front of me. And that opened so many doors, uh, made, made me more um, a happier person. <laughs> And um, more open to, to whatever comes my way. People, ideas, views, opportunities. It's just, okay, let's see where this goes. So it's okay to have a dream, but as you say, without obsessing about it and just use that almost to give you a broad direction, but deal with it as it, as it presents itself. I think it's, it's necessary to have a dream uh, it, it's something that nurtures our um, our soul um, and uh, it's good for the imagination as well so um, if you like flying imagine yourself flying but don't jump off a building without a parachute <laughs> it's just a being having your feet on the ground but let your mind fly that's why we have the imagination and dreaming it's not bad and as you you mentioned the word hope as well yes. and i suppose dreaming is gives you hope exactly it's it's um for me at least they're they're, they're uh, synonyms um because where my mind goes when i was in bed and i couldn't lift my head from the pillow all i had was my imagination i couldn't even speak so uh, all i had was in my head and the hope that sometime someday I will be able to wear that pretty blouse that I was keeping for good days, you know, when you're going out. Now I realize, you know what, if I'm in the mood to wear a, a wedding dress on the street, I will wear it because I might not get to that wedding. That's amazing. <laughs> it's just amazing, Laura. It really is. Um, I could keep on talking and talking. Um, it's, um, there's a couple of questions which I'd like to, I'd like to finish with. Um, so the, the first one, um, is something which we carried all the way through the first series of these, which was um, if you could write yourself a letter. So we're going to assume we can conquer time travel. You can write yourself a letter to your younger self and leave it for you to find. What do you think you would write on that letter to your, your younger self? You're good. Keep, keep on going. Love it. That's great. Keep on going. You're good. Keep on going. Just to let myself know that I'm on the good path. Love it. <laughs> and then the last one um, in this series, um, what we're going to do um, is to ask you to leave a question for us for the next guest. It won't necessarily be the next, but one of the next guests. Um, but in order to give you time to think about that, we've actually got a, a question from a previous guest. Sure. Um, so... Um, let's go with this. So um, this is from a previous guest on the show who asked, Brenwin, they didn't know who this was going to be for. So is there any field that you feel you could never have gone into and why? Yes, 
I, I couldn't um, have been in uh, army. Um, I respect life. I wouldn't be able to to, to kill, um, especially uh, when ordered to. Because obviously, if you're with, you need to protect your family, we are all capable of that. But um, just to kill somebody for for a, a, an ideal or defending the country, um, that is it's a larger subject, and it it takes a lot out of you. I don't think I would have that strength. Uh, veterans suffer a lot due to it, and and it's it's they pay a great price for it. Okay, thank you for that. So, this is where you now get your opportunity. What would you like a future guest to answer? Is it worth it? Are you happy? Is it worth it? Are you happy? Yeah. Laura, thank you so much um, for somewhat emotional roller coaster. Certainly, personally, listening to some of the stuff you've shared today. So, thank you for that. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time to come and have the conversation. Well, thank you very much for having me. It has been an absolute pleasure. And hopefully I spoke uh, eloquently enough. <laughs> oh, Laura, it was, it was great. You have been listening to One Thought at a Time with Ian Travers and our guest this, this time, Laura Christia. Uh, if you've enjoyed this, please do like and subscribe. And if you have been, thanks for listening.